The following podcast contains explicit language. Hi, this is Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and I'm here with a Slate spoiler special podcast on Zack and Miri Make a Porno, the new Kevin Smith movie. I'm here in the studio with Tanner Colby. Hey, Dana. Tanner, how do I identify you? Comedy writer, extraordinaire, author of The Chris Farley Show. Author of The Chris Farley Show and uh, comedy writer... Um... Ordinaire? Ordinaire, yes. Ordinaire. <laughs> Mediocre. Mediocre. <laughs> So we saw Zach and Miri, unfortunately, together the other day. Unfortunately, I'm still trying to recover. Yes. And as you were just pointing out, this is this is one of the most charmless movies you've seen in some time. It is. I've seen more charm and heart in, in real pornography in, in many cases. Just to give the basic plot, uh, two high school buddies, Zach and Miri, are down on their luck. They you know, can't pay the rent, can't pay the bills. And so they decide to make a porno movie to uh, get their money back and get their lives back on track. Only they're best friends who've never slept together, and then they've got to sleep together in the porno. And that's going to test the bounds of their relationship, uh, which could have been, I guess, an intelligent conceit to explore the dynamics of platonic sex and so forth, but it just comes off as wrong. Uh, and Kevin Smith is possibly the least nuanced filmmaker ever, and I just feel like when he sticks to just guys hanging around the convenience store, cracking jokes and snappy dialogue, he does okay, but when he ventures into three-dimensional human beings, it, just, it, it never really comes off. Well, what do you think he's trying to do in this movie that's an atypical move for Kevin Smith? He's trying to... Judd Apatow really took the helm from him in terms of gross-out humor that's, you know, has has heart and reality to it. And I think this movie is an attempt by Kevin Smith to sort of join Judd Apatow on his level, and it just falls flat. Well, it feels really Apatowian in a lot of ways. Obviously, Seth Rogen playing the kind of schlubby Yeah, and it's, it's got the same East Indian store owner. It's got Craig Robinson, who plays the doorman in Knocked Up, plays uh, the producer of the movie here. Uh, and he was Banks, in Pineapple Express as well. And was in Pineapple Express. Elizabeth Banks, who plays Mary, was also in 40-Year-Old Virgin. The cast was lifted almost straight out of out of an Apatow movie. Well, and it seems like the tone that he's trying to strike, and we, we need to talk about how, how and why he fails to strike it, but the tone he's trying to strike is, is a little bit more that sweet, a gross-out movie with heart kind of. Right, only instead of the, the gross-out and the heart weaving, you know, effortlessly in together, it's it's like you know, shifting gears in a car, it's like, okay, now we're in the, the, the hardcore gross-out gear, and uh, uh, and now we'll shift to the, the soft and sweet and sensitive gear with the Pixies song on the soundtrack, and then uh, and then we're back to, you know, defecation jokes. And it it's just jolting. It's like going back and forth between watching hardcore pornography and softcore pornography, back and forth like every two minutes, and you're like, well... Can, can I please watch one or the other? Well, can we spoil some things on either side? Let's spoil some of the hardcore gross-out stuff, because I'm sure the listeners will all be curious on the edge of their seats about that. And also spoil some of the, to me, far more painful, sickly sweet moments in the movie. Well, the the first big spoiler, and I guess one of the few good things, is uh, Brandon Routh from Superman shows up. He's a, an unannounced cameo, so that's uh, one thing we can we can throw out there. And he actually does okay. But then it just sort of degenerates. Uh, he plays a gay man who comes back to the high school reunion, and Elizabeth Banks had always wanted to sleep with him, but turns out he's gay and he's got a boyfriend who's in gay porn. And the two gay men at the high school reunion just degenerate into kind of like the worst, creepiest, most offensive gay stereotypes I've seen in a long time. It just It just came off as flat and really kind of... It was written by someone and acted by two people who don't know any gay people. It just, that's what it felt like. 
It was caricature. Well, for all of his obsession with sex, it seems that Kevin Smith has, seems like he has a kind of puritanical bent or something. I mean, this movie doesn't it doesn't at all fit in with you know this sort of subgenre that I actually quite like of the of the making porn is a liberating experience movie. Boogie right. Nights being, I think, sort of the, one of the masterpieces of that genre. There's also a little Spanish movie called Tor Molino 73, which you haven't seen, right? It's a few no. years old. It's very sweet. It's also it's actually a little bit more like Zack and Mary because it's the story of a couple, in the case of this movie, a married couple, who decide to make their fortune in, in porn. And it ends up being sort of like a, a, a liberating experience for the woman, and she starts to feel very sexy, and she starts to become this awesome porn star. Right. Well, to me, it's the difference between, like, we're both adults. I'm in my 30s. And, and when I hear adults being raunchy, they're raunchy in kind of a nuanced way. Like when 30-year-old people sit around making jokes about anal sex, it's more about sort of the dynamics of that act. Whereas when 13-year-olds sit around and do it, it's like a poo-poo joke. And Kevin Smith seems stuck in the latter category. They don't, there's no nuance to the raunch. Well, you, because I can bring myself to do it, will you spoil the one poo-poo well, the, joke? Well, the, the one, the, the grossest the nadir, moment in the movie, I think. Uh, uh, Katie Morgan, who's an actual porn star who played, takes on the... Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yes, I did. <laughs> don't ask me how. Um, uh, so she's the actress in the movie within a movie, and it's her big scene, and she's got to have anal sex with one of the actors, but... Uh-oh, she's been constipated for two days, so what's going to happen? And um, the cinematographer, uh, cameraman, uh, is uh, beneath the two porn actors getting a, a very interesting and uh, intimate angle on the uh, activity, and she shits all over his face. And it so comes out of the blue. I mean, as raunchy as this movie is verbally, it doesn't really have that much. There's no full frontal nudity. You don't see any lower halves of anybody. Well, you do. You you see some balls. Oh yeah, I guess you do. Actually, they look you, so fake. You do some. You do see some big saggy balls. I at guess one you point. do see one set of dangling, a yeah, sort of a sad little nutsack dangling there. But there's no. You don't see any full frontal nudity of either sex, right? No, and and so suddenly to have this this woman taking a dump on this cameraman's face is just absolutely disgusting and out of nowhere. And I couldn't concentrate on anything for the next eight minutes of the movie because I was just thinking, did that really just happen? Right, and and to me, and again, it's the difference to, to Apatow, not to put him on too much of a pedestal or anything, but. In Forgetting Sarah Marshall, when you had the full-on male, full-frontal nudity, you know, uh, Jason Siegel happened to be, you know, drop his bath towel, right, as his, his girlfriend tells him that she's dumping him. And so it's this moment where he's physically naked and emotionally naked and defenseless as well, and that amps up the humor. There's a point to it and 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 really emotion and thought behind it. It's not just... A guy naked because it's funny to see a guy naked. Where in this movie, it's just a guy bends over and, and you see his his balls. Yeah, there's really no compare. I mean, Jason Siegel and Forgetting Sarah Marshall is everything this movie isn't. You know, I don't think that's a perfect movie by any means, but I love the vulnerability of his not only his nude scene but his whole performance in that movie is just great. Right. Well, okay, let's talk about now. Let's get to the even more painful emotional nudity of the movie. Yeah. Um, the central sort of the central emotional scene, I guess, is would be when Zach and Mary finally do have sex on camera, right? Right. And We've sort of seen them maybe nervously starting to fall for each other a little bit. They're nervous about their upcoming sex scene, but both of them want to do it. They're also well, getting we, kind of jealous we, we that the other is appearing with that. other. We haven't seen that. We've seen Kevin Smith write dialogue that is meant to indicate that. Right. You know, You're we right. I'm giving him a lot more credit. We haven't deserves. seen two nuanced actors where we forget that they're acting and suspend disbelief and they're invested in their characters and feel the tension of their platonic they're romance. Right. We've more seen Seth Rogen we, and Elizabeth Banks. We've heard dialogue this. delivered to us, which indicates that the these two people are headed towards some sort of emotional conflict. 
And that is the problem with Kevin Smith movies. And see, to, to me, to my eyes, I mean, this this was the biggest lost opportunity in the movie because it actually is kind of a, a great concept that good sex makes for bad porn, right? Which is kind of what happens in their scene. They actually make love, as, he, as right. Seth Rogen embarrassingly says, as if his character would ever use that antiquated term. Anyway, instead of having sex, they end up making love and, you know, actually, actually enjoying it. And as a result, it's a really boring sex scene. Right. And the, the, this is the one thing that, that I thought was done well in the movie and could have been done even better is that uh, when you see the, the two of them making love, it's a completely different soundtrack. And then when you cut back to the crew that's surrounding them and shooting them, it's no music. So it's like in the moment versus outside of the moment. And that was the one, I think, directorial triumph in, in the whole Yeah, that was minutes. one of the few moments in the movie where Kevin Smith made a directorial choice that made some sense and, and had the effect it was intended to have. I think most of the time you just you hear the clomping feet of his script coming, you know, way before the line is actually said. And I think it's it's the, the biggest, uh, I don't know, symptom of the indie film movement is that people who can't make movies get these ideas in their heads like, ooh, this Pixie song with this tracking shot would make a really cool moment. And uh, you think those things, but you know you don't actually get the chance to make movies, so you don't ever end up inflicting them on people. But Kevin Smith actually gets to make those movies because he's like the one guy who his $8,000 black and white movie got picked up, and so he gets to inflict it on the rest of the world. And there's like, you know, the big, long... After all these stilted gross-out scenes, there's this slow tracking shot down the hallway, and the pixies are playing, and and it just feels uh, sutured on, I think, was, was what you said. It's like, oh, let's take this emotional moment and graft it onto the plot. Yeah, and you can point. see the seams the whole time. They're they're painfully visible. Well, let's yes. because we're we're being such incredible grumps about this movie. Let's let's talk about the one thing we did like about it, which was Craig Robinson's yes. performance. Craig Robinson, who plays, he was the bouncer in Knocked Up and he was a hitman in Pineapple Express and he's also uh, one of the cast characters on NBC's Office is hilarious and he can he could read the phone book and it would be funny he's just got that kind of delivery and uh i think he took what was written kind of as a as a one-dimensional part of this henpecked husband and really invested it with humor and you can tell that because he's got this relationship with his wife and she remains trapped in the two-dimensional kevin smith dialogue world and he sort of transcends it and makes it a real character and ad-libs and, and throws in some dialogue that you get a sense probably wasn't in the screenplay. And he's just funny. He can do anything, and it's funny. He's one of those guys. Yeah, he was the only only one who got real laughs in the screening that we were in, which was pretty pretty dead silent most of the time. And to, just really briefly, do you want to say anything about the two main performers, Seth Rogen well, uh, Thanks. I thought she was really miscast. I don't think you did. Well, coming go on, on Robinson, just one more thing. Uh, the end of the movie, as long as we're spoiling is that Zach and Miri break they break apart and don't see each other for a few months because of the tension of making this porno together and then Craig Robinson goes and shows Seth Rogen the footage of of him making love to Elizabeth Banks and so therefore uh, makes him remember how much he loves her and to to go get her back which is sort of like a real moment and Craig Robinson I think makes you feel like he's a real character with real motivations and yet he feels totally out of place in the rest of the movie. It's, it's it's very strange. But I feel like Seth Rogen is hysterical, and uh, but he's still young enough maybe that a good director is needed to get a really great performance out of him. And Kevin Smith wasn't that. And I feel like sometimes Seth Rogen was just uh, going for the laugh instead of going for the reality of the character. And I think 
I mean, he's hysterical and he's great, and but I think a good director is someone who who uses him well, whereas I don't think Kevin Smith did. But no, I, I would agree that that Elizabeth Banks was was a little miscast. I think she's funny, uh, but I think uh, we decided that. Zoe Deschanel or or someone else might have. Maybe it's because I just saw her as Laura Bush. Did you see W? And no, I didn't see Laura it, Bush? but I, I saw enough of the trailers that it's like, yeah, she's. Um, she just seemed like a grown up lady to me. She never she never seemed like a, a slacker girl, like a girl who would be roomies with with Seth Rogen and live yeah. in squalor. Yeah, she never seemed like someone who who would be in that situation or would even consent to make a porno to begin with. Right. All right. So, do you have any final warning? <laughs> any final? Uh, don't go see it. Would would be my because and, and I say that as someone who was genuinely excited to see this movie. I'm a big fan of Seth Rogen and a big fan of Craig Robinson. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Kevin Smith, but it seemed like this wasn't going back to his Clerks and Mallrats comfort zone where he he does okay. And I was actually excited to see the movie. I thought it would be funny, and it just doesn't happen. Doesn't come come off. All right. Well, thanks for coming to the movie with me. Sorry thank I had you, to inflict Dana. it on you, but we'll oh, see a good one next time. You I win promise. some, you lose some. And thank you for joining me on this Slate Spoiler Special. For Slate.com, I'm Dana Stevens. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.